I love Gary Vee, but there's there's a few things that fly around the internet, content of his, where it says, if you didn't sell something by the time you're 12, you're not an entrepreneur. Like, I don't, that's rubbish. As I had a burnout and I realized I was a workaholic and I literally worked, came home, drank wine. You know, my own mortality became quite evident. It was like, one day I'm not gonna be here with him. And I was definitely the person that turned up early in the morning, stayed longer than everybody else to people please, to prove myself. And as a woman in corporate, you feel like you have to do 10 times more work than your male colleagues to get noticed. Mum, I just wanted you to pick me up sooner. And I was like, oh, why? And he'd been sat for the last hour playing a game with one of the teachers. And it just broke my heart. Welcome to Inspire By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story and they have stories that they haven't yet told, not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Parker, welcome to the Inspired by Show. Hi, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming all the way here because I know, you know, from, from South Manchester all the way down to our studio in London, shows commitment. So thank you so much. Well, it's not actually that far, but the challenge is that I decided to bring the entire family with me and make a weekend <laughs> of it and then trip, throw in a trip to A&E, a bit of food poisoning, as well as the Natural History Museum and the Tower, Tower of London. So yeah, I tried to do too much, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a theme actually that we're going to end up covering is, is the setting ourselves up and wanting to do the most out of it but thank you so much and as you know the Inspired by Show is all about being raw and real so love that we can be open and honest and talk about what's been going on behind the camera so Sue obviously I know you quite well you have a podcast that I've also recently been on and so we share the love of telling story and helping people talk about theirs I'm curious for your podcast which is the Lifestyle Entrepreneur you are known as a Lifestyle Entrepreneur and you help other people do that just for anyone that maybe isn't quite up to speed of what that is, what what is a lifestyle entrepreneur? Yeah, so it's basically around building a business or series of income streams that work for your life. So I'm a mum of three, as I've just said. Um, me and my husband have got three kids. And one of the big things is we like to be an actively participating parents. Having been in a corporate career, dropping my kids off at daycare at seven o'clock in the morning and picking them up at 6 p.m. did not fulfill us. We wanted to create a business, a lifestyle basically that worked for our family. Um, and gave us that flexibility. So that's what I help people do is figure out how you stop exchanging time for money all the time, how you leverage your time, how you leverage digital products, online business, and also property. Mm. Wow, I love that. So I think this is a challenge that so many people face. Whether you're employed right now or whether you're running your own business, time is one of the most valuable commodities in the world. What happened in your life that sort of led you on this path to being so passionate about not exchanging time and money? Oh, yeah. Um, so, well, there's probably two key things that happened um, back in my corporate career. Uh, the first one is I had a burnout and I realized I was a workaholic and I literally worked, came home, drank wine and fell asleep on the sofa and then got up and did the same thing the next day. And that glass of wine at the end of the day was like my reward for working so hard. But what I realized is it was just a way of numbing the fact that I was so unhappy with being a workaholic and that was my life. And then when I had my son, like it was a complete perspective shift. All of a sudden I got this little child that meant the world to me and nothing else mattered. And when you put that into perspective, it sort of meant, you know, my own mortality became quite evident. It was like, one day I'm not gonna be here with him. 
So then life is short and you want to do the most with your time. So I had to figure out a way of getting some of that time back that I was just giving to my corporate career because originally I was dropping my kid off at nursery at seven o'clock in the morning and picking him up at six. I had so many days when he cried. And I remember the after school wraparound clubs when I still hadn't managed to escape my corporate career because, you know, it's a good job. You have a good job in tech, so you've got a good salary. I've got a mortgage by that point. I've got responsibilities now. You can't just pack these things in. And I remember him once saying to me, Mum, I just wanted you to pick me up sooner. And I was like, oh, why? And he'd been sat for the last hour playing a game with one of the teachers because there was no other kids in wraparound that late. And it just broke my heart. I was like, what am I doing? So since then, and he's eight now, I was trying to figure out how do I escape my job still pay my mortgage, still look after and be a responsible parent, still meet everybody's expectations about being a good mom and bringing in the money. When, how do you figure out how to do that? And I've had two more kids besides and, and we're now starting to, starting to get that level of freedom. Wow. That's so inspiring because I think a lot of people, like you say, there's those thoughts and those beliefs. It's not only just what will I be able to do, but also what will other people think of me if I pack it all in and walk away from that stability. Now, I want to talk a little bit about before having your son and having the kids. And I mentioned you've got three kids. So, you know, you've definitely jumped into balancing a lot, I imagine. But I'm curious to know about the workaholic side of Sue beforehand. When I was a workaholic, possibly a little bit still am in my own business, when I was in the corporate world and I was a workaholic, I was doing it to feel something. I was doing that to feel good. I was doing it to to really start to heal something. What was your reasons for sort of being that workaholic and being so driven to do so well in the corporate world? Yeah, it's it's one of those things lots of us have when you're a high achiever. You know, you go through school. If you get good grades, it becomes a bit like a, a constant dopamine hit. Somebody's patting you on the back. You've got a good report. Your teachers are telling you well done. So you, you, you become a people pleaser. And I was definitely the person that turned up early in the morning, stayed longer than everybody else to people please, to prove myself. And as a woman in corporate, you feel like you have to do 10 times more work than your male colleagues to get noticed because I wasn't in the bravado of, of that patting on the back and the men's giggles and laughs and things in, in the boardroom. So I would have to show up being the most prepared, the, having done the most work, um, being the most professional. And I felt like I had to do that to get noticed and get recognition. And I felt like that recognition was the most important thing. And I now realized that I was trying to keep everybody happy, people please everybody. I was trying to come home, you know, having got the raise, having got a new job title, making my parents feel proud of me. And I lost count of the number of times they said to me, you've got a good job in IT, Sue. And that sort of resonated so much with me that made me feel more trapped in that environment but I was definitely just doing it because I felt that I that was what I was supposed to do and I was definitely people pleasing wow and I find that so fascinating how we can have such a strong belief that's like reinforced time and time again every time there's like that little voice that's like oh, I think I might try something else because it's not quite making me happy and then all the big voices come in and go so you're doing so great you know well it's fantastic work and you're then going oh that little voice has gone quiet again now yeah absolutely and I remember somebody once told me oh, I've got some friends in France who built a straw bale house and off-grid and they were just completely the opposite end of the spectrum. And when I spoke to them about all of these things, they were like, why don't you do this? You could do this. And we were sort of going, no, we couldn't do this. And I remember saying, I'd been home and talked to some people about their story. And they said, you know, people who are negative about it, they're just trying to validate their own decision-making in life. If you go and do something completely different, that sort of shatters their belief of what you should do and, and sort of unvalidates their decision-making. So by you staying 
with with them in the crowd, you know, show me the five people around you and I'll show you your future, then you're validating all their choices in life. So now I have to tell myself that every time I hear a negative response or something about some property investment we're doing or something about, yeah, the business or a, a, you know starting a membership, I have to sort of tell myself, these people haven't done it. So they don't know, they're not experts in it, they don't understand and they're just doing it to protect their own decision making and, and validate their own decisions. Mm, yeah, I've experienced that a lot as well. And I think it's just about sometimes, like you say, if we're not validating them, we're actually triggering them. Mm-hmm. And so every time we do well, it's not, they don't understand how, and often people make it about themselves. You know, we often think that it's called a thing called spotlight syndrome that I was taught once someone on this podcast came on and she's told me about it. And it's where we think everyone is obsessed with us, like, but no one's actually looking at you. We feel like there's a spotlight on us, but actually everyone's got their own stuff. And what I used to find was you think someone would be proud of you and be like, oh, so you've done great. And actually what they feel is I'm not doing good enough now because Sue's doing so great. And that's where I love the fact that, you know, there's whole five people around you and surround yourself with the right people. What have you noticed on your journey with maybe going from a previous colleague group or, you know, friendship group even to now being the Sue you are now, which is essentially proving everything that you did then to be not the best way for you and actually trying something very, very different? Isolation is probably the number one thing when I speak to other entrepreneurs when I started out, that isolation of not knowing that you've made the right decision and also being completely alone. You have got to work so hard to find people with the same values as you. And so, you know, I've I've now got connections all over the country, whereas my immediate group in my hometown are mums or they go to go to work still. So still finding those entrepreneurs and those people that have the same mindset and views as you is really tricky you've got to go further afield but initially you have the isolation i mean this is one of the things i started the lifestyle entrepreneur group so we we meet every single week and we meet monthly for mastermind sessions and it was to do that because so many women were isolated thinking am i doing the right thing should i go back to my job um when do i when i run out of money when should i quit they were asking all these sorts of questions and yet they had really good you know viable businesses even ones that were working and they were still asking those questions. And it's because of those five people around you. So I wanted to create that. So that that's probably the biggest thing. And, and, and now I just have to remind myself when somebody says about the regularity of a salary and the risks you're taking, I just have to remind myself, look how far you've come. Look at all the things you've done that have been successful. So we've done some property development, for example, some flips, and we've made good money. And I have to remind us of the money that we've made when we've done those, or the money that we've made when I've been setting up people's funnels for them or something like that. Yes, that was a time for money exchange. But I have to remind myself of that, that, that it's doable, that it does work. Because you've had years of conditioning that you get a salary for a job and you get a, a pension, maybe I mean, to be honest, that's all negligible now you it it takes a lot of undoing so even now I still find people challenging and I still then question or just listen from their perspective but you have to just sort of take that on board and know that what you're doing I wouldn't give up the flexibility of being able to see my kids I pick them up from school every single day they do no wraparound care and when I ask them do you want to go wraparound do you miss wraparound they always say to me God, now I'm so happy you picked me up. No, please pick me up earlier. Or yeah, and they get to do clubs. There's, you know, a, there might be a Dougie Mac pop in for a tea and cake, and I get to go there and do that. And I'm not choosing work over them. I choose them, and I make the rest of my diary fit in with that in every way, like bringing them here. 
Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and, shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So, So I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now back to the episode. Mm, I love that. I think it's about making it around your schedule because what I often found was I I've almost felt like I felt guilty. Well, who am I to allow myself to work when I want? You know, even now running my business for seven years, I'll still take a day off. And I love like, even yesterday, ended up taking most of the day off with my partner, Cedric, and we just went for a walk around London. We live here and it was everyone else's at work. And I felt a bit guilty because I was like, oh, hang on, shouldn't I be doing my business? And my team are working, shouldn't I be? And it's sometimes it's that guilt, I think, to actually say, no, this is what's important to me. And this is what I'm now doing. And so I'm curious from your journey. So you're in, you know, you've been in this corporate world, you've essentially had to ignore a lot of people's opinions and you've taken the leap into to doing your business. Where did the lifestyle entrepreneur brand and, you know, doing people's funnels and helping people, you know, make money and have more time come from as a business for you? Was it something you thought of straight away or is it something you sort of fell into? Tell me more about that. No, absolutely not. So um, as you probably know, in the corporate world, I was, um, there's a lot of inequality. Um, there's a lack of diversity, particularly on the boards. And I became an equality and diversity speaker at the women in tech events, particularly in the tech industry, because that's my background. So project management, anything to do with funnels and all that kind of stuff is is my is my bag. And then, yeah, I just started to speak at these events. And then I started leadership coaching. I was trying to help more le- more women become leaders and join me on the, join us in the boardroom. But I kept getting frustrated with them. We'd jump on these weekly coaching calls and they would be doing all of the things right. They'd be doing more work than their colleagues. They'd be putting in so much effort. They'd be having the right conversations, building rapport, but they still were getting issues, unconscious bias and all sorts of things going on there that were really frustrating. And it was angering me. And then one day somebody asked me to set up, help them set up a digital course, basically. They were going to teach people how to be business an, uh, data analysts. Can I set up a digital course, Sue? How did you set up your website? How did you set up this? How did you set up that? And I just helped to do it. And then I realized this is what I want to do. I want to help people escape the confines of the nine to five job so that they can do the thing that they're really passionate about, use all this skills and knowledge, but break away from this traditional sort of environment that was so restrictive for them Mm. and that's how it started Mm. Um, and then yeah my passion just kind of built from there and then it was a a case of getting people out of those self-employed situations where they're exchanging time for money to then think think about how they can leverage it how they can Mm. package what they do so that instead of it just being one-to-one clients where they're on calls all day and they're you know they're very tied to their business like I had to figure out how do I help more people can I offer them a digital course in something? Can I offer them the membership? Can we invest in property to get some passive income? Or well, as you know, it's not really passive. Um, but something that leverages your time, your resources in a different way that mm. allows you that flexibility and freedom. Mm, yeah. I think so many people could do it, but choose not to do it, you know, and could 
could do it and for whatever reason have those little voices pop up especially when they've taken the leap they've decided to do it and then suddenly one thing goes wrong and they're like well i'm running way back into into my safety bubble of my corporate job what would you say was the biggest challenge you had on your journey when you were sort of finding your feet as an entrepreneur leaving this security behind yeah it absolutely it was that element of choice but there's there's a few things with the choice so the, the first thing is accepting personal responsibility so i would spend years with the kids going well i've no time I've got too too much to do. I've got no money I've, because I'm I'm surrounded by mortgage debt, and we were doing up a house for a flip at the time, so that was on my shoulders. My husband's self-employed as well, so you can't then add an extra self-employed salary in. We've got car finance, all of those things going on. We bought a property in France, so we had a lot going on, and I used that no time and no money excuse for years to do nothing, and then I started to you know say, well, all right then. Who's controlling what I'm doing in the evening? Who controls what I do when I have my downtime or I have this space? You know, who controls what I choose to do? And the reality was, it was me. And I was I was saying, well, I've got to have the kids and I haven't asked this person for time. And that was actually down to me. And I realized that in a few years time, the only person that could regret it was me. And I couldn't on my deathbed go, well, because of everybody else, I didn't do this. And then when I flipped it and said, why am I doing it? And I was doing it for the family in the first place, I realized, I just had to had to reprogram that. Okay, so I'm going to make arrangements with my husband that on a Sunday morning I record a podcast and I'm in the office and you've got the kids. I'm going to arrange that on this day, you know, mother-in-law has them or I do this in the evenings. And I started doing evening interviews and I started doing more and more things for my business and just changing my habits, my routine. But instead of asking for permission, I was like, no, I'm giving myself permission. And I'm just telling you I'm going to do it and this is how I will make it work. So that was a really big challenge that I had to do initially. And I had to make the time really count. But then there's also then the choice about what you're gonna do, i.e. am I just gonna exchange time for money? So there was a good while where I was just taking on one-to-one clients. I was setting up their funnel, their email marketing and all that kind of stuff. It was so hands-on. I started to outsource a little bit of it, but I was then managing and holding so much of it so close because you're a project manager and that's what you do. And then there's a mindset shift that we have to do as entrepreneurs that says, I don't have to do it all, but I do have to make all the wheels happen and make sure everybody knows what's happening and is moving in the right direction. And, and you know this from running your companies. You cannot do it all. And letting go, I don't know if it's a woman thing or a control freak thing I was once <laughs> told by my mindset coach, um, letting go and watching as other people flourish and figure things out. And even to the extent of letting go being such a mum that's always there and sort of going, hubby can do it and he'll do a great job of parenting them right now they're probably having more fun without me around the natural history museum than with me so it's things like that letting go and 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 being less controlling but managing the process Mm, wow yeah there's so much gold in that Sue, and i'm laughing because i can really relate to that i haven't got kids yet but oh my gosh i'm such a control freak and i would say I'm, i'm a recovering control freak but i often find it's like like there are so many reasons why we do that. And and I would say there's a lot of women that feel that, possibly like you say, from being a woman and being a mum and who knows, like got to make the house work and got to make all the businesses work and everything. Um, but it's almost like reaffirmed. I often struggle with it. Like if one person doesn't do something, I'm like, see, if I'd have done that, wouldn't have happened. And then it almost like reaffirms that negative belief that I need to be involved in everything. 
Yeah. Do you ever say that? I should have just done it myself. Oh. It'd have been easier if I'd have just done it myself. Do you know what? I've I've gotten that out of that habit very recently, but it used to really hit me because often, like you say, you just can't scale. You can't grow if you don't otherwise. And this isn't just relevant to business. At the end of the day, this is relevant to home life, like partners, having a partner where, you know, someone you can actually trust them. Like one of my coaches said to me once, right, Chloe, I want you to write down a list of three things every day that someone's helped you with. Three people that have helped you because you are getting help, you're just not seeing it. And so like Cedric would cook the dinner and I'd have a really late night and I'd get home and then dinner's on the table and I'm like, oh, I love that he helped me with that, you know, or team member helped me with something they weren't, they didn't need to, but they did. And that really helped me overcome this control freak behavior. I'm curious for you though, Sue, like your husband is also self-employed. So how has that been navigating, you know, two self-employed, not even incomes, you know, family lives and different businesses, different directions. How have you navigated that? Oh, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and just to pick up on what you said about letting somebody else help, um, somebody once said to me, with your with your children particularly, you know, this is a really good piece of advice for anything. If they do it different than you, that's not doesn't mean it's wrong. And I and I've learned that, you know, if he does a nappy and he puts it on the wrong way around, it doesn't matter. So I've got to the point now where I just let people do it and if they do it different, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And and you just gotta let go of that. Um, so me and my husband, basically, I talked about leaving my corporate job for two years before it happened, thinking it will never happen. You know, having that story, that victim in my in my head, I need to ask for permission, all that kind of stuff. And because we managed to get on the same page over that two year period, he was like, I know you're doing this. So he got used to the idea. Mm. And that meant he could be more supportive with when I said, right, I need to do these podcast interviews because it, it matters for me building my brand. It matters for me. Um, building awareness of what I'm doing. Um, I'm doing these co-working calls. I need some childcare on these co-working calls. So it was sort of a, a, it's a very early conversation, but he had to come on board and I had to make him see that I was serious, that I wasn't, you know, messing around. It wasn't a joke, but I had to get behind it first, which is actually almost harder because you, you need a, like a pep talk, you need encouragement. And that's where finding your own community of other entrepreneurs is so valuable because mm-hmm. they will give you that pep talk. You'll see what they're doing. And seeing instead of the competition as, oh God, they're doing so well. And you know, that reflects really badly on me because I'm not, and I've, I've been there in all these masterminds sitting there thinking, God, is this all I've achieved? And look at what they're doing. Instead of seeing it like that, thinking they're worthy rivals that are here to show me what's possible. Mm. And I have got to grab grab that, learn from them and use that as ammunition to help me and encouragement. And then when I go back home, I can say, look, I'm seeing these people doing this. This is how they're doing it. This is how they're making it work. I'm going to learn more about it. And just building that encouragement from the behind the scenes. But in terms of our schedules, it's been a challenge. We have to have designated days of the week. So Friday is our property day where he does viewings and I basically book him all the property viewings. Saturday mornings when the kids go to French school, we sit in a cafe and go through our spreadsheet of, these are the viewings. Lucas like munching on a pancake or something in the background. And we're going, right, we're gonna offer on this one. And then I spend my Monday making phone calls and offers and things like that. I spend my Tuesday doing my co-working calls and having a little bit of childcare in the morning. So it's just, it's, it's having this schedule where we communicate really clearly. Um, and I'm a project manager by heart. So um, knowing what's happening, the plan is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And obviously progressing along the plan. It's like, come on, we're not making progress. Whereas my husband is quite laid back. He would quite happily just let things go. That, that dynamic kind of works because if we were both stressy about things, it wouldn't happen. 
And we that's how we make it work. We just mm. have to stick to the schedule. And so long as we have our Saturday mornings and we have his Fridays doing that and I do my things on Mondays, things happen, they move forward. And, you know, and I just basically every week say, what days are you working this week? What days are you on site? What days are you here? Because he does contracting on sites. And what days are you doing property for us? And we just we just have that mm. schedule. And it might every few months change. You know, we take the, the summer off. We go to France for the summer. So we have to make sure we've got enough money coming in to cover us for that summer. But that's the life we wanted to design. We wanted the summer holiday with the kids, both of us to enjoy the kids, not for one of us to be, you know, we in a, in a job, you're 21 days holiday, 25 days holiday. You're a week off, a week in, in childcare, after school club, holiday club, and then you'll take a week off. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, our parents' answer to that problem was, you both need to have holidays at separate times. So I would never have a family holiday. I would never see my husband and it just didn't work for us. So mm. we've had to be really strict about how we design it. Yeah, that's so good. And I think a lot of people struggle. And there's definitely a pro and a con to having a partner that's self-employed, right? Because the con, as you said, is we've got to be a little bit more careful and make sure we're all good. But the pro as well is having that bouncing, you know, person to bounce your ideas off and someone that gets it. Because I've seen a lot of people who start businesses and end up losing friends or loved ones, partners, even divorces, because they're like, I've become a different person. As we know, businesses, I mean, you don't need a personal development course, start a business. Like you will learn so much about yourself. But if your partner's not on the journey with you, it can be really damaging, right? 100%, 100%. 100%. And there's always this, you know, I used to have this thing where I just want to take everybody on this journey. So I'm going to learn all this stuff and I'm going to impart it on everybody else and I'm going to take you on the journey. But you're right, you get home and you'd have a frustrating conversation. I'd come home from the corporate job trying to work on my side hustle and Dave would be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm doing this because it's really important. And, And when he didn't get it, for those two years when I was trying to convince him, I remember feeling like, am I going to outgrow you? I don't, what's happening to us? And so I completely understand you. But because of him being in his business and wanting to develop the property side of things much more he, he got really successful with his flips and with property development that it just it just helped because now we can sort of go other people don't get it but in here we trust on ourselves and and we have this drive and we know it's risky but we're on this path and it's okay and you know we're kind of on the same page most of the time yeah that's that's really really good i'm curious so you talked about the two years that you were trying to convince him in your words was there any point in those two years where you're also trying to convince yourself? Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I got a good job. I'd, I remember probably the last year I was working in my corporate job, I got the biggest bonus and the biggest pay rise and the biggest recognition I've ever got. And I felt empty. You, you talked about feeling empty when you got these things. I, that was supposed to be like the pinnacle. It was supposed to be like, finally, somebody listened. I got something. Somebody's starting to pay attention to me. I got invited on management conferences and away for the week. And that was nice. But for some reason, it didn't. And I think it's because during that time, I'd outgrown that role. I'd realized that this dream that I'd shelved and this thing that I thought I could never do, I wanted to give it the best shot because, mm. I, like I say, my mortality became quite evident when you had kids that life is short and I've got to do this and I'm only going to get one shot at this and that's what's going to make a difference it passes Mm. so quickly yeah it does doesn't it I look back and I'm like I can't believe I've been in business seven or eight years I've lost count now honestly it just feels like it's just feels like a different part of my life and I remember when I started my business my idea for my business wasn't actually my own my partner Cedric I was I'd gone through the depression and I ended up going on holiday with friends just before I was about to go back to work and I came back from a holiday with friends and Cedric as a social media strategist social media manager 
loves it, came home and he designed my social media content plan. He's like, this is your plan for your business. I was like, sorry, what business? You know, and he was the one that had this vision for me. And I think a lot of people, there are some people that are really driven to be entrepreneurs, like born to it, always wanted it. And there are others that I think fall into it, right? So I'm curious, because you help so many entrepreneurs. Do you think everyone has what it takes to be an entrepreneur? I believe you can learn anything, right? So this annoys me actually, you've, you've, you've hit on one of my book bears. I love Gary Vee, right? But there's, there's a few things that fly around the internet, content of his, where it says, if you didn't sell something by the time you're 12, you're not an entrepreneur. Like, I don't, that's rubbish. You know, I didn't sell something when I was 12, but that's because my environment, my parents, they weren't taking me to car boot sales and to sell things. They, you know, I didn't have an online account where I could sell something on eBay. That doesn't mean I'm not entrepreneurial. That doesn't mean I can't learn the skills. So that's my view on it. Yeah, there may be people that have fallen into it. I think for the most part, a lot of those fall into the freelancers or so the basically, basically the people who are self-employed. So let's say when I first did it, I was setting up people's lead magnets and email marketing funnels. Well, that's something I might have done as I might have managed as part of my corporate job. And then, then I was basically being paid to do that almost like on Fiverr or something, that kind of thing. And I think then you fall into it, but that doesn't mean you can't train yourself out of that to becoming an entrepreneur and becoming an agency owner where you outsource a lot of that, which is what I started to do. So I believe you can learn it. You can learn absolutely anything. So if you're sat there thinking, you're checking that, you know those blogs where they say the seven um, skills to becoming an entrepreneur and you've either got them or you haven't and you're ticking them off thinking, oh, I've not got what it takes because I don't have number seven. Like ignore it. It's BS. It's it's just there to plant a seed. It was just clickbait probably to get you to click on it. And let's face it, you know, the Gary Vee clip that gets shared around, it's just, it gets a lot of views because people are like, have I got what it takes? You know, it's just a great hook. The reality is you can learn anything. You know, I'm on this journey. I haven't done it right. I have had months where I've hardly made anything, where I've done loads of work for free just to get testimonials. I've done coaching for free. Like, it doesn't matter. You can reach, I don't know, change up. Um, learn something new, a new strategy, whatever it is, you can figure that out. And yeah, I believe you can learn how to be an entrepreneur. But a lot of that comes back to the things we talked about, accepting personal responsibility, making choices, uh, learning to give up and let go, learning how to basically spread your message, focusing on why you want to do something and the what, whether you deliver that in a membership, a digital product, a one-to-one coaching course, you know, all that's changeable. Mm. It's so changeable. And what we're seeing is in the world, we're seeing, you know, different types of products fly in different markets. It's all going to change. Yeah, exactly. And if you look back at some businesses, like let's say influencers nowadays, right? And I've got nothing against them. I bought by a lot of stuff and I'm like, I've been influenced. That's what it's worked. If you look, say, 20, 30 years ago, somebody trying to do that in their own home, okay, before social media existed and so on, people would be like, oh, that person's never going to make money. Nowadays, they can make millions, you know? You can get a million, 10 million followers like that if they're doing the right thing. So I think, like you say, it has to be changeable. One of the things, because I totally agree with you, and I used to always think, oh my God, I'm broken. I'm never going to be good enough to be in business. And I've actually many a time, very honest, question to going back to work, going back to the corporate world, many a time. I've spoken on stages in front of hundreds of people and gone back into the green room after and gone, I think I'm gonna go back and get a job. Because I've always thought to myself, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Because there's so many people that are saying that they've always wanted this. And I think a lot of people have a mask on and actually all of us have wobbles, all of us have to learn new things. But like you said, we can learn the skills. And I often think as long as we've got the behavior and the attitude and the hunger to do it, 
we'll make it work like we were talking about earlier if you were to look at what sort of those skills are or that sort of behaviors that you've seen in people you've worked with or yourself Sue what do people need to learn as a behavior when it comes to being a good entrepreneur yeah so you I mean you touched on there a lot on the resilience side of things so here's here's what I would do in the early days and here's what a lot a lot of us do in the early days and you're right we we all have a wobble is we would take something going wrong as a sign not to carry on so it might be oh no, my camera camera battery's gone my mic's not working it might be uh, going to A&E last night um, thinking that I shouldn't do this interview there's all sorts of things that crop up when you're an entrepreneur that just I mean it could be the battery's failing on your mic when you've gone out to record an interview I've had that where I've turned up and my, my mic set won't work and it's a portable mic set I used to take those as signs that you shouldn't do it. So you close the laptop or you go away and you not do it. It might be a negative piece of feedback. I've heard this a lot. A lot of my clients say, you know, you get a negative piece of feedback or the postage didn't work and somebody complained, you know, if you do a drop shipping or something. Don't take those as reasons to fail, reasons to give up. And that's because that's what we do in the early days. We take them as signs. The reality is it's it's just a challenge. You know, Richard Branson would have had millions of those and he wasn't giving up. And it's just to push you and see how far you want it, how much you're willing to take and to make you harder and more resilient in the end of it. So I believe that the, the most significant skill that any entrepreneur can develop is about resilience, mm. mental strength. And, I, and I, I start my coaching about mental strength. You know, if you don't come from a position of strength, then every time something comes up, you feel, you feel like you just want to take to your bed. You just want to take to Netflix on the sofa for the rest of the day. And we've all had moments like that where things have gone wrong. And... What we need to do is build that mental resilience. And I have things like, I have a rainy day letter that I wrote to myself. So it might be all the things that you've achieved over your life. It might be all the things that you've achieved in the last 12 months. Gratitude, it's all these sorts of things that we hear a lot about, but we don't necessarily do. It's about taking time out, whether you meditate, whether you go for a walk, whether you find a green space. Some days I literally just have to walk around the block for 10 minutes with Luca in his pram looking at that smiling face and go, we can just regroup and come back this afternoon and do what we need to do. It's okay. But that mental strength, that mental resilience, that, that is what we've got to work on more than anything. Because the what to do and the how to do it, people will tell you all the strategy. You can buy courses, you can figure stuff out. But if you don't believe it and you haven't got the mental strength and capacity to do it, you're not going to put it into action and nothing will happen. Nothing will change. That's the key thing. Mm. I love that. I love that approach because it's about the resilience, like you said, to keep going and look for those changes and put, keep pushing through should challenges, you know, somewhat take you down. And one of the things I love so about the beginning of your journey was it was the whole, you know, having having your family and realizing that you don't want them to be in these clubs after school. You want them to be with you. You want them to be enjoying their life with you. And that got you to where you are now. What's your thoughts on like having another level vision? Like where is Sue Parker going next? And what are you doing to sort of keep going and keep focused on that next thing? Yeah, so I think of life as now as in phases. So I did my I did my job phase, my corporate career phase. I tried that. Um, I've done my being self-employed and being a freelancer and that type of thing. And then now it is about building content to inspire other people. So I have a really big drive on content, whether that's writing my own book is definitely on my vision board, I must say, whether that's speaking on stages. Right now, I'm in a season of life where I've got a young baby. So most of the content I do, I record at home. So I'll do some YouTube videos. I'll do some podcast interviews. And I do as much of those as I can and as much blog information and meeting with my own entrepreneur group and my mastermind 
so that I can help those people, and most of them are women, but I know that men have this desire too. My husband had this desire. I know that I've worked with directors at the company who wanted to take their kids to school and were chastised because they turned up for you know the, me the morning meeting late and they were frustrated about that. And I wanted to give them the opportunity to say, actually, I can create a business as well. So for me, it is about creating much more accessible personal development content, inspiration and motivation and encouragement to say, you can do it. It's that empowerment piece, that strength piece to say, you can do it. And then we'll figure out the strategies, the tactics, the how to, but let's make sure we know why we're doing it. We've got clarity on that. Let's make sure that we feel strong-minded and resilient about what we're about to go through and know that it is still the right decision for you. Mm, yeah, so powerful. I, I love what you touched on there, and I kind of want to go there. Uh, you and I have both helped majority women. You know, we we are both women, and we have generally attracted more women. When I first started out, I started with only women. And in the last, let's say, two years, I've really opened up to realizing that she can help everyone, even though I market to very specific people. What's your thoughts on this whole, you know, women need a hand being mums? Actually, men, dads, and anyone needing it, you know, it's not about being at the particular gender to needing support and being able to have time with your family. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm pro having two active parents. I actually believe that two role models are crucial no matter what relationship you're in. But having those extra role models, I mean, for our family, having dad self-employed meant we have had the flexibility to have dads have some home days with the kids and I know my kids have benefited from having him around and I also know that lots of dads they're only taking on the corporate responsibility or the big jobs because they're the breadwinner I know because I, I felt like that for a while and when you're the breadwinner you can't just come home one day and go well I'm not going to pay the bills anymore and I'm going to I want to be at home and and play with the kids more. So I actually believe in flexibility for both parents or for all parents mm. involved. Um, and I, I think men and women should experience all that life has to offer. I and mean, life is short, like I said. Maybe you don't wanna have kids. Maybe you wanna go traveling or something and you want to be able to take three months off. Whether you're a man or a woman, you should be able to take three months off. But go to your corporate career now and see if you can just take three months off to go traveling. And I guarantee you'll have the response that I got, which was, nobody's really done that, Sue. Well, I don't really know if we wanna ask about that. What about your career? It's like, it's three months of my life. It's not a big deal. But there's men and women thinking the same things. And I think exactly the same in entrepreneurship. You know, there are some men who, will, who have a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot inside them, a lot of potential that they're not using, shelved dreams, because they too have accepted the traditional model that you should grow up, get a job, get a mortgage, pay car finance, and, and be good and, and do the right thing. I mean, my husband's battled for years about I should be the man and provider of the family. No, we should, we should all have the opportunity to live life to the fullest potential. And if that means we do things differently, then you do things differently. The world mm. allows that now. It's just, we need to change our mindset and our expectations around that that expectation. I totally agree with you. And I think there's so much pressure put on men to have a certain image as a parent. You know, my dad was very hands off. My mom was very hands on, but my dad worked and finished early, started early, finished early. And I spent a lot of my time with him in my afternoons after school. But it was like, dad goes to the pub when we have when I go to bed and it was very much a very very traditional upbringing and I find a lot of uh, there is a lot of that where it's like the pressure on a, on the the male role model if you will or a masculine role model to a feminine role model and I often think that needs to shift 
we talk a lot about what it's like being a female in the corporate world and the sort of stereotypes and the things we have to break through. I also think there are equally amount of stereotypes for men as well, you know, like like you said, taking time off to be with the kids and, and having to take that, those steps. What would you say to someone who's still in the corporate world now, male or female, who is looking or there's that little voice inside the head going, mm, might might try something new, might start my own business? Go for it. You will regret it if you don't. I mean, this is this is on you. You can't say somebody else isn't letting me. I don't have time. I don't have money. I mean, I, tr- I tried that for years. When something matters to you, you find it. And th- and this might be the same with anything else that's happening. You know, I used to find that if we had a really big project at work, I would stay over. I would come in early in the morning. I'd get my laptop out in the evening to do it. Why was I doing that for my paid work, but I had the excuse that I didn't have time to do my side hustle? I didn't have to, I did it because I felt that I should do it. So what happens if you feel like you should give your side hustle idea a go? What happens if you feel like you should join a networking group? You should go on a course and experience whether life coaching or personal training is your thing. You have to go for it. Mm. You will only regret it if you don't. And, and really, there's nothing to lose because you try, you experience life, you grow, you learn. When we think about it that way, there's nothing to lose. You haven't yet handed your notice in. If you can find two hours a week to start to enjoy your passion, two hours on a Sunday morning to listen to an audiobook that teaches you about something, go further with that. Explore it. Don't just leave it on the shelf undiscovered and, you know, for you to, at the age of 80, delve in there and go, I wished I'd done that. And, and you know what the other thing I notice we do, I mean, I, I talk from the perspective of a parent because it's just such a dominant part of my life. So I apologize for any listeners that don't have children. <laughs> but you you put that, you project, you probably know this actually from your own parents, they project it onto you. So I know the things that my dad regrets by the things he's projected onto me. I don't want to project onto my kids, oh, Mummy didn't do this, so I'm. I now want you to be a dancer or something. You know, I now you want you to be a YouTube influencer because I didn't take the ball by the horns and have a go myself. Don't project. You know, you we do this, don't we? We say you're going to be a millionaire. You can do this. You can be a star. You can be a footballer. I see it all the time. We project it onto our kids, and we almost write off our own story. But they've got to do what makes them happy. And what I don't want to do is make them feel that they should do something by my expectations because I didn't have a go myself. I want them to see me having a go. I want them to see you having a go Mm. and be a role model for that, for just standing up for doing and exploring what you need to do in life. Mm, Yeah. It's so sad though, isn't it? How sometimes people feel like their life's finished before it's even really like they've really got into it. And it's like, no, it's too too late to be an entrepreneur. I can't. And I actually see a lot of people come to me to write books when they're retiring because they've got time or, you know, they start a business when they're retiring because they don't have the job anymore and they don't have that, that fear. And I think that's where people often wait and keep waiting. Now you mentioned obviously about being a mum being such a big part of your life, which I love and I'm, I'm, I love your honesty about it. And I love following you on Instagram and seeing all your stuff that you share about that. Like it cracks me up every time. And I think it's really inspiring. Now, we had Carrie Green from the uh, Female Entrepreneurs Association on the show not that long ago. And she was very honest about how her love for her business changed when she had her family. And you touched on that here as well. But obviously, you were still in the corporate world when you started feeling that. So how did you find this? You know, you still you've got these amazing kids that you just love and more than anything in the world. How do you find that love for your business and that passion when you've got these loves? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if I listen to everybody else then I would say, you haven't got time for this. People would say that all the time. You have, you've got too much on, you haven't got time for it. 
I because I viewed it as an a mechanism, if you like, a, a way of seeing them more, and I clung on to that. That's why it worked because it was for them. It wasn't for me to get kudos. It wasn't for me to become a millionaire. It wasn't for me to have millions of clients and loads of followers. It was always about those little niggly things, that leaving Seb crying at the nursery, him telling me he wanted me to pick him up early, knowing that he was there on his own, putting them in wraparound and them saying to me, I'm not in wraparound again tonight. And I'd be like, yes, yes, yes. Can I do this club? No. Can I come to coffee morning? No. You've got a sports day. Oh my gosh, how am I going to spend sports day in the field with you? It was, it was because I knew it was essential for that, that they would go to bed and I would get my laptop out. I would literally do networking events at 8 p.m. at night. I would do coaching calls at 9 p.m. And, and at lunchtime, I literally would clock off from my desk, go into a room, open my laptop and write a blog and some LinkedIn posts. And at the time I was nervous because I was still at work. So I was like, I'm you know, LinkedIn. I didn't want to put anything out there in case my colleagues saw it. But I just reached a point where there was no other way. I had to do this and then I would have my lunch, go back, sit at my desk and carry on with my work. And and I was just so disciplined with making it work that yeah, I probably I could have had burnt out that year, burnt out that year, but I just saw it as fundamental mm. to getting out. And mm. that's the thing, really. Yeah. But what I really enjoy about your answer there, Sue, is that you actually combine your two loves together. It's like if you build this business and fall in love with that, then that will help you spend more time with your family and your kids. I think a lot of people feel like things are separate. It's like part of me wants this, part of me wants that. There's not two parts of us, we're one whole. And if we can connect what we love together, it helps us go through that go through that journey. Now, Sue, I'm curious because obviously you mentioned there, like, you know, you want to keep growing your business, you want to do all these amazing things. And you talked about your book, which I'm very excited to hear more about, definitely off camera rather than on camera. What's what what I find fascinating though is when we have things like for our example writing our own books or launch our own podcasts there are usually people on our journey that have inspired us whether that's like you touched on Gary Vee earlier or other inspiring people who have you looked up to and thought I want to be like that or they've inspired me or I really get motivated when I listen to them yeah so I'm an avid listener of Brendan Bouchard and Mel Robbins mm. I like my American sort of yeah, personal development and you rah-rah if you like, but I just, I need that. I would literally, we'd do an eight-hour drive to France and I would literally binge on Brandon Bouchard all the way. And I'd get there and I'd be like, right, I'm going to get my laptop out tomorrow and I'm going to do this, 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 this and this. And yeah, and going back to your point about, you know, the two the two areas of life and, and seeing it as, you know, a passion for a business is passion for the kids and, you know, it's all blended together. It, it, it literally is like that it's like I'm, you're not two people you are one person and I found that when you are doing something you love and you feel happy about it and you're more willing to do it and it feels purposeful you're just happier in life and you're a better person mm. when I was going to work and I hated I hated I was going to have this horrible boardroom meeting in the morning and this project was delayed because I said it shouldn't be done and I gave some advice and they didn't take it which was common you know IT projects they, they just push them through whether they want to or not I just know I was snappy with the kids and I was stressed all the time and we were rushing every morning and I knew that when I built the business it was just about not being that way it was about living a very different style of life 
and compartmentalizing those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I think a lot of people struggle because they have to keep them, they try and keep it separate, especially when they're still in the corporate world, like you said, like going and doing a blog in your lunch break and so on and, and trying now to like get these fixes from elsewhere. So I find that really, really fascinating. So it's been so great having you on the show. I can't believe we've almost run out of time. Now, we have a tradition on the show where the final question for every single guest is always looking at who do you know that has an inspiring story that you should have on the show next? I feel like I know so many people that could share theirs. Um, so Anne Helgren is probably who I would recommend to you the most. Um, she's a relationship coach who has an incredible story to share with your listeners. Um, I feel that it will help people to have more self-love. And oh, that's so important. That. Thank you so much, Sue. That was You're such an amazing uh, suggestion. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. Wow, guys, what an episode that was with Sue. I hope you took away so many golden nuggets like I did as well. Now, as usual, if you haven't already, share your most inspiring moment from this episode in the comments if you are watching on our YouTube channel. If you are on Apple or Spotify or any other other audio platforms, then get over to our YouTube channel and make sure you share there. And always, if you haven't subscribed yet, you are going to miss out on our next inspiring guest. So make sure you subscribe now so you don't miss out and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 